Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free ebooks and drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. All right, today we're with my friend, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She's a hormone expert, and we're gonna be talking about what hormones make women crazy and why, how to manage your woman's hormones and what to do when she's in crazy mode, how to manage your own male hormones, and why looking for the root hormone cause is healthier than masking the symptoms with either drugs or supplements, et cetera, why and how pharmaceutical companies are not a fan of doctors focusing on these problems in the first place, something called TILT, what it is and why it can actually destroy your relationship if it's not managed, different types of female orgasm, and how to get hormone help when you need it. So enjoy this one with Dr. Sarah Gottfried of The Hormone Cure. So Sarah Gottfried with me today, Harvard-educated physician, speaker, yoga teacher, wife, mom, and author. You must have a lot of free time. Oh, I do. <laughs> so much free time. Your book, The Hormone Cure, I really think sounds amazing because I, I love how you say you're, you're board certified in everything that can go wrong with the female body. That's a lot of boards, and that's a lot of certifications. It's a lot of certifications, but I'd also say, Jordan, that it's kind of the bias of medicine, and it's the bias of the untrained mind to look for what goes wrong. You know, I would love to be board certified in everything that goes right with the female body and the male body, so that's the direction I'm heading. And you can be like, that really cool orgasm you're having? I invented that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to take credit for that, because that's a very beautiful physiological thing. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about it in a bit because apparently it does stuff other than placate the male ego, which who knew? You're going to talk to us about how to interpret behavior of your woman, when to hold them, when to fold them, and when to run, I guess, essentially. I think that's going to be pretty exciting as well because it's something that I've noticed just passively through dating women over years and having girlfriends is you can kind of go, why is she insane this week? And then you go, what's your deal? And she's like, oh, I'm in this phase of ovulation if she's tracking that stuff. I have a calendar, an iCal calendar, that's hopefully not accidentally shared with my assistant that shows where Jenny, my girlfriend's sort of at with that so I know what's going on if she suddenly says, why didn't you buy broccoli? I hate <laughs> you, you never think about me. You know? <laughs> oh, yes. Pass my shotgun. Yeah. You know, my husband is really someone who's educated me a lot about this because he feels like it's so easy for a guy to track his woman's menstruation. There's so many apps for it. And this is going to make your life so much better if you just get out of town the week before her period. That's when my husband goes fishing. It's when he, you know, makes appointments for me to go have a massage. 
he knows how to manage my menstrual cycle and it just makes all the difference in a relationship. Yeah. Is that though the point at which you're most fertile as well? For women, you have this surge of testosterone and also progesterone right when you ovulate. So that's day 14. That's when you really want to get some because that's when the best sex is going to be happening. The week before your period, not so much. That's when the PMS starts happening. There's more stress and tension in the body. I'm sure a lot of the guys who are listening know what I'm talking about here. And that's where you want to get out of town. That's where you want to run for the hills. Yeah, there's some times where you just think, she really hates me, this isn't going to work out. And then like three days later, it's like, I'm sorry, or three minutes later, which is even more weird. But I think we definitely want to go over that. I mean, if we change the way that we think about hormones, ours and hers, we can pretty much, we can up our game big time inside our relationships, inside our marriages, we can get more love slash sex slash just balance in our dating life and relationships, which I think is really important because otherwise you're just thinking women be crazy and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you get mad when she gets mad. So it becomes a fight. And she's like, I didn't mean anything by that. And you're holding a chip on your shoulder because maybe that's the kind of guy you are. You don't realize that it's almost like she's on drugs and can't help it. Yeah, you got it, Jordan. I mean, I think if you understand hormones and Together, I hope you and I rebrand hormones today, okay? Let's just change the conversation because when you understand these hormonal changes, it creates grace in a relationship. It is like my husband loves to look at a business and say, okay, where's the ROI? Like, where am I really going to get some money back for my investment? And when it comes to relationships, if you get your woman's hormonal flux, it's going to change everything. Like, you will 10x the relationship. Yeah, I think so. It's always important, and at The Art of Charm, we're always teaching them the beliefs slash mindset behind any action. So if the belief slash mindset is just uber frustration because of X, Y, Z factor that's not really within control, you kind of have a different look at it other than she's just trying to make me go insane by treating me like crap randomly and unpredictably. And I think that's important in a relationship to notice that. Even if we can't always control our reaction to her action, we can at least make a damn good attempt at it and also not hold it for a week. Well, last week you yelled at me about this, you know, that kind of thing, because I used to do that. Yeah, well, I think we all used to do that. I mean, another way of thinking about this or conceptualizing it is, you know, if I could go uh, deep physiology on you. Can I go deep physiology on you, Jordan? Go as deep as you want. (laughs) Oh, I might have to have you pull out occasionally (laughs) just to take a breath. Okay. I know as a gynecologist, I'm in the right place when I hear that said. So let me just say that when we're running around with the amygdala running the show, so the amygdala is that part of your brain that's always scanning for threat and danger. When you've got the amygdala running the show, your relationships are not going to be very rich. You're not going to do that arc that I know you love to talk about, you know, going from the ordinary guy to the extraordinary man. But when you bump it up from the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex, the PFC of the brain, like that's when the magic happens. That's where you're more resourceful and you go from being reactive in the amygdala to proactive. So that's a very cool thing. It just, it makes life better for you and for everybody. What does that even mean? (laughs) Thanks for that, but what are you talking about right now? (laughs) Okay, let me get super specific. So I'll give you for instance, and my husband and I have been talking about this a lot because My dad does this with my mother, and we just went to visit them up in Portland, so my husband was really noticing some of this language. So I'm going to give you a few examples here. So one example is 
to say to your woman when she's bitching and moaning about something, say the following three words. And it's not what you think it is. Okay. Maybe you're right. Boom. Oh, oh my gosh. That changes everything, Jordan. It changes everything. Just like this little opening where you don't get defensive and you don't get reactive and you don't like get into fight or flight, but you say, oh, maybe you're right about that, about the broccoli that I forgot to get. Right. Yeah. That changes everything. Like you, you stay in the, you know, you're listening, you're like staying in a connection with her. Wow. Changes everything. I can see where that would be like a perfect concession. It sort of eschews the subject matter, which is irrelevant anyway. That's right. I mean, you know, another option in that situation would be stuck in your amygdala and to say something like, yo, are you about to get your period? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's not going to work. That is going to backfire. You may be saying it with great love and empathy, but oh my gosh, you're going to get like a, a shoe across the face. Right. And hopefully not like a stiletto, but you exactly. might deserve it. Not a me too. Depends. Day 14, you know, you could get the stiletto. <laughs> yeah, you'll like the stiletto on day 14, not so much on day 22. Right. There you go. Okay, cool. So, I mean, how do you know so much about this, right? You're a doctor. You've had every hormone imbalance that a woman can have, apparently. I don't know. What does that mean? There's a lot, right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hormone issues that women come up against. We've got way more complicated physiology than the dudes do. But I talk about this because I had my own hormonal chaos, you know, science gone wrong when I was in my 30s. And it took a path to get it set right again. I went to my doctor when I had PMS and adrenal burnout. And what's adrenal burnout? What is that? Yeah, adrenal burnout is, you know, you've got these cute little adrenal glands in your mid back, they secrete many different sex hormones, including some of these players that you've heard of before, like cortisol, the main stress hormone, they secrete progesterone, testosterone, estrogen, we all make all of these hormones just in different quantities. And when you are a bit of a badass, like when you push yourself hard, you're a pusher and a muster. What happens is you're more vulnerable to burning out your adrenal function, like making cortisol kind of 24-7 and doing that at the expense of your other hormones. It creates hormonal imbalance. And that was something that was happening to me when I was a working mother in my 30s. It happens to others too. You know, maybe you've got a corporate job and you're just pedal to the metal, push yourself really hard. You and I were talking about running earlier, you know, running yeah. makes your cortisol go up quite high. And when I was in that situation, I went and saw my doctor, like a lot of people do, and just said, you know, I am a bitch. <laughs> I don't want to have sex with my husband. And, you know, what do I do? And he suggested an antidepressant and also a birth control pill, which were totally the wrong answers. So that, Yikes, that got yeah. this path. Well, so how come those are the wrong answers? Because there's people listening right now. Well, this audience is mostly men, but there's plenty of women and there's also plenty of men listening who are like, wait, my wife is on those and better than her being a raging bitch, but also not that great either because they don't, you know, nobody likes to be on those things. I mean, there's still some shame associated with them. I'm not meaning to say that there's an either or situation here, black and white. You know, there's some situations, very few actually, where you got severe depression, you need to be on an antidepressant. But for the most part, they're the wrong choice because they're masking symptoms. They're not treating the root cause. And what we know is that you're going to be able to rock this mission if you really address the root cause of why you feel like crap or why your woman feels like crap. Yeah, we always like to go for the roots here just because, again, you know, beliefs 
are what causes action, which causes results. That's like the core of the art of charm. And so if, if you don't know what the heck is causing something else, you're just going to be putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole, which is, you know, the birth control antidepressant combination over, gee, my body's producing all this stuff. It's totally wrong. Oh, let me take some random substances that counteract it, sort of, and also cause a whole bunch of other crap to get wrong in my body and probably stay that way slash get even worse, right? You got it. I mean, if we just look at the antidepressant or the the birth control pill, I can tell you those make relationships worse. They tend to numb people out. Antidepressants, we know, rob you of orgasm, which I think is one of the most important hormone reset buttons for a woman and a man. And birth control pills, birth control pills rob you of testosterone. And we may have less testosterone as women, but oh man, we are so sensitive to it and we really need it. It's involved in our confidence. I know you know a lot about confidence. It's involved in agency, you know, really being able to put yourself forward and be empowered. And of course, uh, swinging from the chandeliers, it's involved in sex drive and, you know, muscle mass. So it's involved in so many different things. And if you are the kind of woman who is super efficient with testosterone, you may not run into problems with birth control. But if you're not very efficient with testosterone, you know, the analogy I like to use here is one I learned from a friend named Andrew Goldstein. He talks about how some women have receptors for testosterone. So we're talking about like this lock and key analogy here where you have a hormone and you have a receptor. The hormone is like a lock in the key, uh, uh, sorry, a key in the lock of a cell, kind of opens up a cell and makes something happen. And some women have these Hummer type of testosterone receptors, where if you drop your testosterone really low because you went on the birth control pill, you get vaginal dryness, you start to lose that confidence, you have low sex drive. And it's like the greatest irony when you went on the birth control pill so that you could have sex with impunity. So I just think that, you know, birth control pills are a bad idea. They also, okay, here's a cool fact of the day, Jordan. You ready? I think I'm ready. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm going to hear it and not be ready and it's going to be ruined, but go ahead. So the birth control pill can shrink the clitoris up to 20%. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. Which on I've... some women is probably a good thing, but <laughs> most women it's just already hard enough to find, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we need that 20%. Because it restricts blood flow down there or what? Why is that? Well, mostly it's because it lowers your testosterone level, your free level of testosterone. So that's the problem. And Mainstream medicine just thinks the birth control pill is the answer to every hormonal problem that a woman has. Yeah, and it's it, like, oh, you have acne? Take this pill. When I was in high school, there were girls on the pill because of acne, and I was thinking, you're 16 or 15. Why are you taking birth control pills? And of course, they were like, now I can bang dudes. That was a great idea. Good game plan. Yeah, much better to just cut out the sugar, gluten, and dairy. That'll help clear up your skin. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the pill is pushed on pretty much every American woman, and it, it makes me crazy. I And, it, I, you know, frankly, I consider it genital mutilation if it's shrinking the clitoris by 20%. Yikes. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. So tell me about top hormonal cast of characters. You called it the three amigos for men and, and Charlie's Angels for women. Let's start with men because... Right now, there are guys maybe who are single who are like, I don't care. I'm about to turn this off. Oh, yes. No, don't go because we've got a lot of good stuff for you today. So the three amigos, I like to make this really come alive because the biochemistry could kill you. So the three most important hormones for the guys are number one, testosterone, number two, cortisol, and then number three, thyroid. So these are the three amigos. You want them working on your team. You don't want them working against you. And then for 
the ladies. You know, and this is important. If you're a guy listening, believe me, you want to manage this. You know, my husband read my book, The Hormone Cure, and it really changed his perception of women. He works in downtown San Francisco and he would just like walk around San Francisco and he'd be like, okay, look at that one. Her cortisol's high. I'm crossing the street right now. Mm. <laughs> so hormonal Charlie's Angels for women, the three most important hormones are estrogen, cortisol, thyroid. If you've got those three angels working for you, life is very good. Guys have all heard of testosterone. Guys have all maybe heard of cortisol, but most guys don't know slash care about thyroid. They think it's something that you use for digestion or whatever. Let's start with testosterone, even though it's kind of, for a lot of people, obvious, and then move down the line of the three amigos for guys. Tell us what they're for, why we need to manage them, and maybe how to manage them or at least get started doing so. Yeah, well, ultimately, what I would love is for our listeners to think about these as a dashboard, you know, just like you have a dashboard on your laptop, or, you know, if you're a pilot, you've got a dashboard in your plane. I think these should be something that you check quarterly every six months so that you can really rock this uh, life that you've got. So testosterone, similar for what it does for women, it's involved in sex drive. For men, it's involved in the strength and frequency of your erections. It's very important for seeing a response when you go to CrossFit or whatever you know gym experience you like to have. You get a muscle response when testosterone's on the higher side. I think a lot of guys understand testosterone, kind of get the role that it plays in the body. You know, some of the pieces that I think I can bring forward are some of the latest science, like we know for guys who have lower testosterone levels and maybe higher estrogen levels, you know, you can track that ratio of testosterone to estrogen. When that happens, you're more likely to have heart disease. You're more likely to have aches and pains in your body. You know, there's this joke about how when testosterone's low, the only thing that's stiff when you wake up in the morning is your back. Eh, nice. So that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Yeah, that's definitely not. And and you hear about older people and guys being like, oh, aches and pains. Is a lot of that hormonal in nature or is it just because things are rusty in there? I think it's many different things. It's hard to just pin it on one. But I do think that testosterone plays a major role. I mean, I think your hormones really drive what you're interested in. And when you have lower testosterone, you develop what I affectionately call the grumpy old man syndrome, you know, where you're 35 or 45 and you're just like hunched over in the morning, just like, ah, I need my coffee. I hurt everywhere. Where's the Advil? Like, you know, that's not how you want to live your life. You can't like move mountains when you feel that way. No. I mean, if you wake up in pain, how are you doing at work trying to build a legacy or take care of your kids or your relationship? There's no way. All right, back to the show. So if you wake up in the morning and you're sore everywhere and you feel like you're not getting through it, you need to go see a doctor ASAP. And if they give you a crappy answer like, oh, take these magical pills because you're depressed, go see someone who specializes in hormones, question mark? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, the cool thing now is there's a lot of direct-to-consumer laboratory testing so that you can go to places like Wellness FX or Canary Club and you can actually test these hormones so you don't have to rely on your doctor to do it I agree with you that most mainstream physicians are very dismissive when it comes to hormone balance. They're less likely to want to test you for these things, especially younger men. But I just think it makes all the difference when you are able to step into that place of empowerment and you're managing these hormones that really make a difference for you and how you're living your life. 
Well, I'll tell you just from my own experience, I actually went to a doctor for a physical because it had been ages and I was re-upping on my insurance. And she's like, oh, you have pre-hypertension. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds so awful. I need to lose some weight and do this. And she's like, you need to take these pills now. And so I got these blood pressure pills and I was freaking out because I'm 34 and I was like, this is awful. And my mom's like, oh, it's genetic. And the doctor thought it was genetic. And then I got a whole health panel done at this place called Cinegenics. And I interviewed one of the doctors on the show and they gave me a full health panel. I mean, like DEXA scan, hormone panel, everything. And they're like, are you on any medications? I was like, well, yeah, on these blood pressure meds. And he's like, wait, why? And he goes, looking at your blood, there's no reason you need to be taking these medications. You know, you just need to be doing this and this, like maybe you're eating too much salt, but you definitely don't need to be on this particular medication. And even if you did have a high blood pressure, it wouldn't be this particular medication. And so I went back to the other doctor and she was like, oh, well, it was just a precautionary thing, you know, and you can stop taking them. You don't have to take them. And I'm like, no, when I was here, you said you need to take these now. That was what you said. And so she just kind of like backed off in the face of a second opinion. And I thought, oh, my God, I almost took these for like 10 years. Yeah, well, a lot of people get committed to a lifetime of taking the antihypertensive, the blood pressure medication. So good for you for really being fully in your power and having the resources to check out some of these root causes. Because once again, when you go on the prescription medication, you're masking the symptoms, you're not treating the root cause. And sometimes it's one of the three amigos, you know, high cortisol can raise your blood pressure. I think it's important to realize that there's another path and it doesn't have to include prescription medication much of the time. In fact, there's a study showing that dark chocolate, you know, one of my favorite medicines of all time, dark chocolate lowers your blood pressure. It also lowers cortisol. So this all kind of fits together. So basically I can take dark chocolate instead of blood pressure medication that you heard it here first from the doctor. <laughs> This is medical advice, dark chocolate instead of medication. <laughs> right. We have to get the dose right, Jordan. Right, but, okay. You know, it does the body good, dark chocolate. We're not talking about the milk chocolate. I'm talking about, you know, 80% cacao or higher, one to two squares. It lowers your blood pressure. Good. Okay. All right. Good. And also, hopefully people realize that we are not that serious and you should definitely see a doctor if you have a real health problem. But the idiot alert aside, all right, cortisol, that's the thing that comes from a lot of stress and also what causes weird aches and pains and things like that. I mean, is that why people's hair falls out, dudes' hair falls out when they're stressed, or is that just like a random myth that I saw in the Jetsons once? <laughs> cortisol can definitely make your hair fall out. I mean, hair is related to all three amigos, but what happens with cortisol, cortisol is the gatekeeper. It's a really important hormone. It's kind of the boss in your body, and it's not so much how much stress you have. It's how you're responding to the stress, like what's your reaction? How do you perceive the stress, especially if you perceive it as being bad for you? So the other thing that happens with cortisol when it's high, and that's what tends to happen under chronic stress, is that it robs you of some of those happy brain chemicals. And this is where I like to say, serotonin and dopamine walked into a bar like, you know, serotonin is one of those really lovely, happy brain chemicals, as you know, Jordan, that's involved in sleep and appetite and mood. And when you have high cortisol, it robs you of serotonin. That's why 50% of people with depression have high cortisol. So serotonin is really important. And when serotonin is low, that also gives you some of those aches and pains. So now we're having an issue with the pain threshold. And when cortisol is high or low, which is more the burnout phase, it can slow down your thyroid, which is the third amigo, 
and that can lead to your hair. I am getting to the hair point here, Jordan, if no you're worries. still with me. No worries. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> so your hair has these phases that it goes through, and one of them is a resting phase. And in the resting phase, it's more likely to fall out, like when you brush it or when you touch it or shampoo it. And when you have high cortisol or low cortisol, when it's not in that Goldilocks position of just right, your hair can fall out. So definitely high cortisol will cause problems with hair loss. So sometimes if you're bald, it's not your fault. It's just your hair is really lazy. Your hair is lazy. You're in that resting phase. Probably you had an issue with cortisol, testosterone, thyroid, maybe all three. Okay, gotcha. And so the thyroid thing, my mom had her thyroid out when I was a kid. What's up with that? It regulates metabolism? It regulates metabolism. I mean, it, it basically determines how fast or slow you burn calories. Every single cell in your body has thyroid receptors. So you want to have really good molecular sex when it comes to all three of these amigos and thyroid especially, because if your thyroid's off, and you're right, it's more common in women. It's like 10 times more common in women, sometimes 20 times, depending on age. When your thyroid's off, it just really makes a difference. You know, you're more likely to put on weight. You're going to lose hair. You are more likely to have depression. So here, you know, if we look at people with depression, about 20% of them have a slow thyroid. So you really want to make sure your thyroid is working in your court. And there's lots of famous guys who have thyroid issues. You know, Abel James is a very dear friend. I know you had him on an episode recently, and he's very public about some of the thyroid issues that he's come up against, which I think are also genetic. Yeah, wow. Okay, so you can definitely run into a big problem, it sounds like, if you're not managing these things. How do you know when you have a thyroid problem? Or like, what's your first indication? There's a few indications. You know, what Abel talks about is body temperature. So because it, your thyroid's in charge of how fast or slow you're burning calories, your temperature can drop. And so you may have, you know, iceberg feet when you go to bed, cold hands, cold feet, constipation's another sign. You get fat and cranky, as I mentioned. And, uh, you know, a lot of people with thyroid issues will gain 10, 20 pounds, and it can happen pretty rapidly. You can also get puffy and have joint aches. So there's some interdependence between these hormones. They crosstalk. But I think it's important to realize that if you're feeling tired and you're gaining some weight, don't go to that place of thinking that it's some sort of moral failing and you just need to work out more. Like, check your hormones. Okay, good. Because that's kind of where I usually go and where other people usually go is like, oh, now I'm only going to eat Brussels sprouts and run eight <laughs> miles a day because I'm fat or whatever. Right. And become a paleo chef. Yeah, ex exactly. So why don't more doctors talk about this stuff? How come my doctor has her head in her butt and you don't? <laughs> you know, what's the deal? Well, I don't want to speak for your doctor, but I can tell you, you know that guy Andy Weil with the beard? I don't. So Andy Wiles is a cute guy. He's written a few books about health, and he's the founder of Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. And he talks about how when he went to Harvard Medical School, he got 30 minutes of nutrition. Now, the guy just turned 70. He's quite a bit older than I am. And it hasn't changed at Harvard Medical School. So when I went to Harvard, I had about 30 minutes of nutrition. We just don't get enough of this holistic perspective where we're looking at some of the drivers of your health, like the way that you eat, move, think, and supplement. You know, there's a lot of influence from pharmaceutical companies. That's not the only issue at Harvard. There's a lot of people who are just very excited about the science. And so you learn a lot about the science and there's less of a excitement about nutrition. 
unfortunately. So there's many different reasons. I think a lot of it also comes down to openness. You know, are you open to really looking at this? Have you struggled with your own hormone problems or nutrition problems as a physician? So I can't speak for your physician, but those are a few thoughts off the top of my head. Of course. Okay, interesting. I mean, I don't think there's a conspiracy from her and the manufacturer of the drug to push that. I just think it's when they're telling you, oh, here's all these studies and research that show that high blood pressure cure of this or cause of this, and here's a pill that helps with it. They're probably just meaning well, but it's also, you know, just human nature. I think it's a lot harder to go, hmm, maybe there's all this additional work I can do after medical school to read up on hormones and other potential causes of problems, or maybe I can just get to work and pay off all the debt that I have, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm still paying off the debt. So yeah, you know, that's how it goes. I think it's human nature to just get into a pattern. I moved from Boston to San Francisco to go to UCSF for my residency training. And I was on that track of going into academic medicine and just, you know, doing research and kind of staying in mainstream medicine. Very few people get off that hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Now, what is tilt? I've heard about this concept of tilt, and I don't know what that means. And why is that important? We sort of touched on that before the show. What does it mean for dudes versus girls? And what is it? It's like this worst case scenario type situation. Yeah, tilt, I think, comes up and ruins a lot of relationships. And it, it's a good idea, you know, once again, when you're bumping it up from the amygdala to the, the cortex and you're getting more resourceful in how you look at situations in your life, tilt definitely comes up. And this is where you want to apply that resourcefulness. So tilt is where your nervous system gets overwhelmed. So it looks different for men versus women. You know, one way to think about it is fight or flight. And for guys, you know, when your emotions get overwhelmed or your nervous system, there's these two halves of the nervous system. There's the sympathetic nervous system, kind of the on button, fight or flight. And then there's the other half, which is the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest. And you want to have this really fluid kind of movement between the two halves of your nervous system. Most of us are running around spending too much time in the sympathetic nervous system. So for guys, when you go into tilt, what often happens is you flood you go into fight, flight, or freeze. And for men, what we know, men under stress, they're more likely to choose avoidance patterns when they go into tilt, you know, like beer, a good IPA, or watching a game. Those are kind of the things that guys tend to do. And I'm totally generalizing here. There's many sure, exceptions. Sure. But for women, you know, what I find in my practice, and I take care of both men and women now, I find that women often will go into tilt and just not recognize it. It just seems normal or uh, they just don't realize probably because they're stuck in their amygdala what's happening. And what happens, you know, what works best for women when they go into tilt and they're overwhelmed is to tend and befriend. So women are very different from men in how they respond to this state of overwhelm. When a woman goes into tend and befriend and gets together with her girlfriends, you know, calls a girlfriend, goes out for a drink with a girlfriend, like that really works. That really works. It helps her get her physiology back on track. And it doesn't work so well for her to go out with her man when she's in tilt. Okay. <laughs> Why? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's this guy who uh, is at Stanford. He's a psychiatrist at Stanford, and he talks about this. He says, if you're a guy and you want to really improve your health, be with a woman, marry a woman. And if you're a woman and you want to improve your health, be with your girlfriends. So there's just something about this tendon befriend, probably related to oxytocin and estrogen and, you know, kind of the molecular mashup that happens that just repairs the body and gets you out of tilt when you're with a woman. 
So again, I'm generalizing. This is not true for all women. But the point is, this is another resource point for the guys who are listening, where you can suggest that she get together with a girlfriend and not, you know, bitch, call your friend, but Hey, beautiful. You've been working so hard for so long and you know, you have so much on your shoulders. So I made a reservation for a massage for you and your girlfriend. And I'd like to treat both of you. How's the Saturday at noon? Boom. Like that gets her out of (laughs) tilt. You're going to be having sex that week. Like that is good. Yeah. Feel free to stay out to like eight, 9 PM too. No need to rush home. (laughs) (laughs) I'll Got be it. having a beer. Yeah. yeah, I'll be having a beer. Exactly. Alone in the garage because uh, <laughs> I'm in tilt. How do we know if she's there? I mean, is that an age thing? Is it a, okay, she's yelled at me for 15 straight days thing? How how do we know? <laughs> yeah, well, there's many ways to know. You know, I sort of think about this as how do you know that your lady bits are hormonally confused? Like what are some of the signs? Or my husband would say, can't you just make an app for guys so that we know when to run and like when to go fishing? That's what my husband does. He goes fishing. So here's some signs and we can get into a little more detail about these, whatever you'd like to do. So some signs, I've got this in my book starting on page 24. Number one is racing task to task and never feeling like you catch up. You know, women are actually wired to have unstructured time. And when we're super scheduled, it puts us into tilt. Another one is feeling wired, but tired you know, can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, feeling nervous. Women especially do this. They can't stop fretting over things that are beyond their control. Oh, right. That's not every woman all the time forever. (laughs) (laughs) Guys don't do this. You guys, you know, you're wired to be very methodical about your problem solving. And like, you got that whole idea the, the, um, serenity prayer of 12 step, like guys are really good at that kind of innately women, not so much. And then quick to anger, reactive. I mean, this is like the broccoli comment that you were joking about earlier, where uh, you fly off the handle and it's out of proportion to the situation. Another one is distracted spotty memory. We're talking earlier offline about attention deficit disorder. And it's interesting, you know, ADD and ADHD is diagnosed far more in boys and men than it is in women. But I think that's because we don't look for it very well in women. And here we're talking about distractibility, you know, like the piles all over the house, can't manage all the information, can't, you know, stay focused on a conversation on the iPhone while you're talking to her. Those are all signs of tilt. And then here's a big one, sugar cravings, you know, get a cupcake in my mouth now, you know, just like jungle drums, sugar cravings. That's really common when cortisol's high There's this other thing that happens called the cortisol switch that one of my mentors talks about, Brennan Bouchard. Jordan, when you have a cup of coffee and you feel like a rock star for about 20 minutes and then you crash, you like get jittery and anxious and can't really hold two thoughts together, like your epinephrine goes up, also known as adrenaline. So it's one of those stress neurotransmitters released by your adrenal glands again. So your epinephrine goes up and then your cortisol goes up. When epinephrine goes down and cortisol stays high, that's the cortisol switch. And it makes you feel anxious and jittery and can put you into tilt. Now back to the good stuff. Well, it seems like we desperately need to know how to manage these things for sure and at least recognize them when they do happen so we don't just think, oh, this is the way life is and I'm just stressed out at work, dot, 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 whatever, not sure. 
how can we sort of reset our, at least if we can manage ours, we can go to the doctor and things like that. Are there some do-it-yourself at-home tricks that we can use to help especially manage our woman's hormones or help manage? Oh, yeah. There's a ton that you can do. And this is where I think you can really leverage some of the ideas from the hormone cure. So I'm happy to go through a bunch of these. So one thing is to recognize what's happening and to not get caught up or take it personally when you've got someone yelling at you for forgetting the broccoli today. Right. So I think that awareness, you know, kind of hitting the pause button and bumping it up from the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex, that makes a big difference. And I have some some other lines, some other scripts that we can talk about here that can help you do it. Another thing that I think is very helpful is to do things with your woman that helps to prevent tilt. And everybody has kind of their a la carte menu of what they prefer to de-stress. I'll give you a few suggestions here, things that I think really move the needle and are most proven. So one is heart math training. Heart math training is, it's from the Heart Math Institute, which is in the Santa Cruz Mountains, not far from us, Jordan, where they figured out how to create that balance between the two halves of the nervous system. So we talked about the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. You can actually create coherence between the two halves of your nervous system with training. You can do this for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day. So that's something you could do with your woman that would really make a difference. You can do it on your iPhone. You can use this app called Inner Balance. And it's been shown to lower cortisol by 23%. So there's all these other bonuses. It also raises DHEA. DHEA is the mother hormone of testosterone. So this is going to get you more love and more sex. If you do this kind of training with your woman, you can do it together. You know, my husband and I will do it at the end of the day. We'll spend some time doing this heart mouth training. So that's one tip. We mentioned dark chocolate. It lowers cortisol. So get your lady some extra dark chocolate. That's like a lovely gift. And are you still long distance, Jordan? I- no, I I live with my girlfriend now, which is great because hormone management, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you could get your woman some dark chocolate and that's really going to help her with resetting her cortisol level because your life will be so much better if her cortisol is in the Goldilocks position. Uh, she's a tax accountant too. So like the last month, I just wanted to shoot myself. Yeah. So dark chocolate, I would shoot dark chocolate at her. I think that would be much more effective. Okay. That Yes. Well, maybe, but not as immediate. <laughs> and then another one would be to get her a cocktail and maybe not the cocktail you're thinking, but there's certain supplements that can really make a difference for a woman. And you have to be kind of smart about how you bring this into her sphere, but things like omega-3s, lower cortisol, there's a supplement called phosphatidylserine, PS, phosphatidylserine, that also lowers cortisol. These things also make you more lean, which is always a good thing. And then chaseberry. Chaseberry is an herb that is the most proven supplement for PMS. So if your woman has PMS, taking chaseberry can make all the difference. It, you know, There's four randomized trials, which is the best evidence that really helps you with PMS. So these are some cocktails that you can suggest to your lady who, and they'll really make a difference in terms of helping her with her hormonal Charlie's Angels. Okay, we'll link to those in the show notes so guys don't have to Google it right now. Oh, and then orgasm. Can we bring in orgasm? Because that is... I would love to bring in an (laughs) orgasm. You know, I try to do it every show, but usually it just makes it awkward for the guest. Is that why it's explicit every single time, Jordan? It is. That's why it's always labeled as explicit (laughs) in iTunes. 
Yeah. So orgasm. Oh my gosh. I mean, there is no better reset button, as I said earlier. And I'm not talking about, you know, like a one minute orgasm with a Hitachi wand. I'm talking about like full on female orgasm. I've heard you talk before about foreplay all day. I would actually say foreplay all week. There are only, yeah. Wow. <laughs> for those of you who really have a lot of free time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is for those who are mating in captivity, who've been in a relationship for a while. I mean, I think you know what I'm talking about. When you do yeah. the dishes on Wednesday, like you're much more likely to get some on Friday. That's so sad somehow, though. It really is. It's just like, oh, that's how that goes Wednesday it's, to Friday. It's sad. It's also, you got me thinking about quotes, kind of truth bombs. And there's this quote from Gloria Steinem. I think she's totally hot, where she says, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. So yeah, I mean, many of these things are going to piss you off. One of the greatest techniques, maybe some folks have read uh, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body. He talks about the 15-minute orgasm. And this is work that's been popularized by my friend Nicole Daydone over at One Taste, orgasmic meditation, where you combine Zen Buddhism with stroking the clitoris. Oh my gosh, if you want your woman to be like a hormonal poster child, then ohm her three times a week. That's going to make all the difference in the world. You know, One Taste is one of those things that I want to get on the show now that I live in SF, but I've got to go see it for myself. Yes, you do. No question. So, you know, this is a practice where basically a guy strokes the clitoris for 13 minutes and uh, it's got a particular frame and way to do it. Or you can do what my husband likes to call ohm squared. Dare I even go there? <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I just put that together. Anyway, moving it along <laughs> as fast as possible. Why do women's, and is it true that women's sex drive goes down when you're committed? Why does that happen? It seems so unfair. It's so unfair, and this doesn't seem to happen to the guys. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I love studying sex. I think it's one of the most exciting topics, right? If you look at heterosexual versus homosexual couples, what happens is the group that's having the most sex is gay men. Yeah, big surprise, right? Big Two surprise. super high sex drive guys. <laughs> That don't have to worry about pregnancy. Okay, sign me up. Well, no. But <laughs> <laughs> theoretically, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So then if you look at, you know, heterosexual couples actually come in second. So it's a distant second, but they're having more sex than lesbian couples. So when you have a woman together with another woman, you know, forget it. There's this whole thing called the lesbian deathbed or bed death. Or oh, something my God. Like that. That's just so awful sounding. No, you don't want to go there, Jordan. So, you know, the idea here is that women, when they're in a long-term mutually monogamous relationship, their sex drive tends to go down. And it makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, you know, that you are really excited to attract your mate and then, you know, you have a couple babies and then shop is closed. But there's many things you can do to prevent that. So I'm not saying that that is your destiny. There's this curious thing that happens with women and I've talked to, again, Nicole Daydone about this. Women really want a combination of freedom and security. And when they have the security, it tends to cause issues with their sex drive. And it also is true. This is one of those chapters from Life is Unfair, the book Life is Unfair, where high testosterone, high libido men tend to be attracted to low libido women. What? Why? I, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a tendency that we have seen 
from studying populations over time, you don't really know your true libido in a relationship until you've been together for about four years. Oh. But it's just a setup for total disconnect, right? So you got to be able to have that clear and direct communication about it. You got to be able to manage these hormones like you're managing your 401k. Are you managing your 401k? I manage my 401k all day. But <laughs> I don't know if that's a euphemism or not. But even if it is, yes. And also if it's not, yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Laughing is so good for your cortisol too. It just gets it right into that sweet spot, I have right. to say. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so this idea of freedom and security, like women want both. I remember on another episode, you were talking about long distance relationships and like how to keep the fire burning. And there's something about long distance relationships that actually works really well when you're in a long-term relationship because it just helps to create that novelty and that, you know, like buzz that sometimes starts to disappear when you've been married for a while or in a long-term relationship. Very good. And what's the climactic sneeze? You wrote that and I was like, <laughs> don't go for the climactic sneeze. I got to know what that is. What does that even mean? Yeah. Well, I talk about climactic sneeze because I think, you know, a lot of men sort of see female orgasm as being analogous to male orgasm. And, you know, frankly, all of us can go from zero to 60 pretty fast, depending on your tools. But for women, you're really robbing her of the sacredness that happens when she has a longer orgasm. So this is where a lot of the work with Nicole Dedone comes in. There's some other folks who have been experts in this field that I've learned from. So when you basically have like a 60 second orgasm with the vibrator, you don't have the opportunity to kind of squeeze the pelvic sponge, like wring it out and just get all of that old stagnant emotion that's stuck in your pelvis out of your body. So I think, you know, my feeling is a lot of women are under pleasured. They've got an oxytocin deficiency. They're in tilt. And what they need is a really good orgasm. It's funny, there's a word for that in Serbian. I don't think there's a word for it in English, but whenever there's a really uptight woman, even other women will say that she's, this word, it's nedojebana, which means unfucked, basically. Wow, yeah. okay. You know, there's even data from our past in uh, mainstream medicine where one of the treatments for hysteria was to do what was called medical massage of the clitoris. So... I really think there's something to it. You know, I'm not saying it in kind of a lewd, flirtatious way. Well, maybe a little flirtatious. I'm saying it because it really changes your physiology. So if you look at the hormonal Charlie's Angels for women, when you have a full-on, you know, toe-curling orgasm, it lowers your cortisol, it gets your estrogen rebalanced, it raises your estradiol, and it also makes your thyroid more efficient. You know, bonus prize, you're getting like a three-fur there. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. It, you know, it's funny. I saw a sign in an antique store. It was like an old medical sign, and it was like pelvic massage or something like that. It, it gets rid of headaches, gets rid of all these different ailments. Hysteria was one of them. And it was a picture of a doctor with his like hat on, and he was like kind of on one knee with his hand up like this woman's skirt, and she was just kind of standing there. And you're like, you know what's going on in there. Like, guys take their wife to the doctor and they're like, that's it. You're out of control. And the doctor's like, pardon me while I finger bang your wife. And then suddenly it's, it's like she's regulated from that. And I don't know if it was real or not, but I guess it, according to what you're saying, it, I guess it was. 
It was real. And I, you know, I say this with so much respect for the female body, the matrix of the female body. What I, I just think so many of us are underdosed. And the problem, Jordan, is that when you're in tilt, let's say you're, I don't know, working at Google or Facebook and or wherever, and you're just working so hard and trying to keep it together. And it's way harder than you ever expected it to be. And you're aging, you know, before your eyes. Most women don't realize in that situation that they're underdosed in terms of orgasm. They're underdosed with oxytocin. So we've got to fix that. Let's fix it right now. Well, I guess, is there a general guideline for how often you should be having orgasms as a female? Well, I don't like to give rules. I, I can tell you there's some basics that we know. You know, again, there's sort of dating life where all bets are off in terms of frequency because most couples, when they first get together, if they're wildly attracted to each other, they're having sex a lot. I'm more familiar with the data in women who've been married for four years or longer. And in that situation, we know that once or twice a week is really kind of the minimum to keep your physiology in order. But I don't say that to make women feel guilty about having sex less often because it's such a, a personal decision. And then I would also say I define sex pretty broadly, you know, not just intercourse. I think outer course is one of the greatest gifts in life. I love that word, outer course. Now, last but not least, so we alluded to this earlier on how to know when to hold them and know when to run. Do you have some signs to know, all right, she's a keeper or other signs, all right, you know, we need to run for the hills? Definitely. So I'm going to give you three different scenarios for when to run or at least, you know, get a cocktail going. So first of all is survivor girl or anxiety girl. You know, maybe you see her at a bar, her eyes are darting. When you talk to her, you feel anxious, like you pick up on this anxiety. Usually she's got rapid, shallow breathing, and it's not because she thinks you're hot. It's because she's ungrounded, meaning that she's not anchored in who she is. She's not anchored in her power. She's not anchored in her orgasm. So it's basically a feeling of anxiety and just nervousness about who she is in the world. You could also say it as low self-esteem. Okay. So okay. self-esteem, I mean, someone with low self-esteem, that's going to be a very rocky relationship. I, I'm not saying you can't remedy it, but oh my gosh, it's a long haul. So second scenario is the girl who is boundaryless. You know, a few dates and she's planning the kids in the wedding. She drops everything to be with you. There's no wolf pack. She's dropped the friends when you got hooked up. Super sensitive, thin skin, needy. And, you know, this is an interesting one, Jordan, because I think some guys are unconsciously drawn to women like this. Yeah, I've noticed this. And I want to ask your opinion why I, we sort of have our own theories at the Art of Charm. But I definitely have noticed that you have these friends who are otherwise very sensible gentlemen. And you're thinking, why do you date the craziest woman <laughs> that we meet anywhere we go? Like we can meet the nicest, smartest, most grounded, I guess, chicks anywhere. And then he's like, hey, you know that one that was crying in the bathroom? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I got that. Dibs. <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, uh, okay, no arguments. Well, I think for a lot of guys, their mother was needy like this. There's this interesting work by Harville Hendricks called Imago Therapy that looks at this where, you know, maybe your mother didn't have boundaries. Maybe her boundaries were porous and she was needy. She was anxious and you were always trying to save her. You know, a lot of guys don't heal that particular imprinting and then they're attracted to women who have the same issues with boundaries that their mother had. 
So you want to break that cycle. Imago therapy is, I think, is one of the best ways to do it. So I think boundaries are actually really important to great relationships. So that's another situation where I would say run. And then the third is conflict drama girl, you know, probably a cortisol junkie, like used to having a lot of cortisol in her life, like high cortisol. She needs to pick a fight and create drama in order to feel, to break through the noise and kind of the muck that she's dealing with, more combative, can't hear her own voice doesn't bring her best self forward, doesn't like love you up and feel collaborative. So that's another situation where I think you want to run. Okay. How can we pick that? Are there any signs for that? What does that mean? Doesn't feel collaborative. Well, I think in terms of collaboration, what you want is someone who makes you feel more like yourself, you know, who isn't narcissistic, isn't trying to pick a fight with you where you're not triggered, you're cool. And then all of a sudden, you're having this big fight. And it's, it's not clear what's going on. Now, if that's the week before your period, you've gotten some suggestions on how to work with that. But if you've got someone who's just constantly creating conflict, and not just with you, but maybe with her mother, maybe with her friends, it's a sign that, you know, there's some major turmoil happening that is not being directed in the right way. And probably that there's some issues with those hormonal Charlie's Angels, especially cortisol. Okay, great. Excellent. Is there anything that you'd like to leave us with or something that we didn't cover? Well, I think the main thing I want to leave you with is this idea that when your woman is hormonal, if you can do your best to try to stay above the fray, and this is another way of saying, you know, bump it up from that reptilian brain, the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex, where you really can bring your, your higher thought processes. That's one of the best ways to deal with your woman being hormonal. And we've talked through some of the ways that the things that are harder to mend, like these three scenarios that I gave you. But I, I want to make the point also that if your woman's hormonal, like you really want to decide if she's got the resilience and enough of the good stuff, you know, maybe the other three weeks of her menstrual cycle to be able to support you and collaborate with you the way that you want. So that's the piece I want to leave folks with. And, you know, for any women who are listening, I would say it's easier to get out of hormonal imbalance to fix it than to live with the misery of your hormones being out of balance. And I think that's a very hopeful message. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks so much, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Much appreciated. Looking forward to hearing how guys put this stuff into effect. I think we're going to get some feedback from a lot of guys saying like, oh my gosh, I never thought about this or oh, my wife's been on these pills or my girlfriend's been on these pills and we decided to take a different course of action. Again, you know, always seek medical advice. I know there's a disclaimer I've got to throw in here somewhere, but I think it's always good to get second opinions from doctors that maybe focus on specific areas as well. Sort of alluded to that earlier in the show. You can go to your GP all you want, but they might have no idea how to deal with hormonal issues because they spend all their time curing sniffles on kids, right? So um, it really does pay to put your own research in as well when it comes to your body because it's really easy for a doctor to find the first and most common solution to a problem and just assume that everything's fine because you don't feel like crap anymore. As we know from other types of medicine and other types of treatment, it's not always the case that you will find a suitable prescription or pharmaceutical solution, it's usually not the case to any given problem, especially something that has to do with natural physiology that can probably be worked out just by changing up diet, exercise, behaviors, and habits. Well stated. Thank you, Jordan. You got it. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Thank you. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at theartofcharm.com. And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for The Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us if you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it.